I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. 138 is the time here in the KSL newsroom when news first broke Friday about the president's positive test for the COVID-19 uh, disease. My first thought was to next Wednesday. Now this coming Wednesday here in the state of Utah, obviously, as you have heard us repeat over and over, we will play host to the one and only vice presidential debate of this election cycle. And historically, vice presidential debates, as you heard in an earlier report, uh, not really consequential affairs. Sure, there are some uh, moments here and there. Uh, you know, you, you think about there, there are some good lines to emerge from there. But how many, how many uh, presidential races have been decided based on the vice presidential debate? Yeah, I, I think there's a good argument for uh, for none. Never in history has the vice presidential debate uh, steered the tide for one candidate or the other. This year, though, may be different. This year may be significantly different. And that unique event will take place right here in the state of Utah. A few hours ago, I got word from uh, from Mike Pence's camp that he will be landing here in Salt Lake City about 510 p.m., where he will commence some debate preparation ahead of the uh, the big debate of Wednesday. And Senator Harris uh, Senator Kamala Harris has been here for uh, now some time and yesterday uh, spent or rather Saturday, I believe it was, uh, spent the day uh, touring a portion of Utah where she spent some time uh, with friend of the program, Scott Howell, former Democratic state senator who joins me now. Scott, how are you, sir? Good, Lee, and thank you for the invitation. It's always nice to be with you and I appreciate it. And so, yeah, what an exciting unbelievable time. It's got the Olympic vibe to it, Lee. I can feel it. And uh Today has been one of those days where most of the people who are going to be participating in the debate were had to go up and take a test, and that testing, I think, ends at 11 p.m. on Tuesday, hmm. but they have to show that they're uh, negative, and then, of course, they'll have their temperature taken again. So safety is at the top of the list of the debate, and I'm thrilled that it's going to go on, and I'm just equally as happy that President Trump uh, – is recovering. And it's nice to have the leader of the free world uh, back in place. And uh, this is that's not any time to have politics when something that dramatic happens. And I'm grateful that he's back. So uh, back to the VP debate. Boy, can you feel the vibe? Can you feel it, Lee? It it feels great. It feels great. We will be spending we here at KSL News Radio will spend the day broadcasting 
from the University of Utah just outside the debate hall. Uh, very much looking forward to it, especially in a year where, selfishly, uh, I am a little upset not being able to travel out to the conventions for the major parties. Uh, I have traveled to no states to cover their primaries. I have been sitting uh, right here uh, reporting from afar, and now uh, we find ourselves right in the middle uh, of all that's going on. It's a, it's a wonderful thrill, uh, personally, uh, professionally, and politically, as, uh, as Salt Lake City plays host to such a consequential event. You you spent some time with uh, candidate Harris over the weekend. Tell us about that. I did. Um, it was well, first of all, it was probably one of the most humbling experiences I've had uh, to be with someone uh, of her stature. And I say that in the sense of she wasn't my first choice to uh, uh, to win the nomination. And then when she uh, when Joe picked her to be the, the VP, I, I questioned it. But I have a lot of friends who are friends of hers that kept saying, Scott, you just got to get to know her. And after our first introduction and our first meeting, I'm telling you, the three things that I noticed about her. One, she is very studious and very smart. Two, she really cares. She, uh, she jumped in right immediately to talk about the, the community and the state. And, and she, I, she's kind of a history buff, and she really wanted to feel the spirit of And the third thing is she is a top cop par- prosecutor. This woman, uh, as you've probably read on social media, the far left uh, doesn't have a lot of uh, joy for her, but uh, that's because she she enforced the law. So those three things made it up. And when we went up, <clears throat> they asked if I'd meet her up at the uh, This is the Place Monument, and we, uh, we just toured the monument. And one thing that was really fascinating to me is every single plaque that was up there she stopped and read them. Now, mm. look, I've been elected official, and I get invited to these things, and I go, oh, yeah, 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 that's good. Oh, let's go to the next one. That's good. No, she stopped and read them. And I'll tell you, she asked me a lot of questions. And she was, she, there's a plaque up there about the number of pioneers that, that passed away on the trip, uh, on the big journey. You know, it's 1,300 miles that they did in, in uh, three months. And she said, look at all these women who sacrificed uh, on behalf of the rest of your community out here. And uh, she she was really intrigued with that. And then yeah. Sunday, <clears throat> she really wanted to go to Temple Square. And as you know, it's all shut down right, right. now. There's nothing there. So the best we could provide is to just walk the perimeter. She wanted to go to the Lion House. She wanted to see the administration building. And she really wanted to see the temple and then the original tabernacle. So she just walked on the perimeter. Just uh, If you were downtown, you probably sure. saw some woman around 15 guys in uh, suit jackets, <laughs> jackets and women. But uh, she, the report on that was great. And then after that, she went up to the Capitol and uh, <clears throat> jogged up and down the steps up there four times, did her exercise, her routine, mm. and she walked around the whole building to get a feel of all the statues we had up there. And I think the the connection back to the Ute uh, uh, tribe and those things were there. I wasn't on that. Uh, uh, as you know, it was conference weekend. And but you, really you could have you could have easily off. you could have easily kept up with her on the stairs, though, right? You haven't seen me lately. That's a good thing we do radio. We don't yeah. do TV. Hey, Scott, listen, t- t- time is tight, and I, I want to ask you one last sure. question. Uh, between now and uh, debate night, how does the senator intend to spend her time? This is amazing. Um, Mayor Pete's here to be a, a, a surrogate. 
uh, and there are other individuals. She is locked up in a, a room, a, a comfortable room, conference uh, ballroom type place. She will spend between six and ten hours a day until um, the debate. Now, this is just how precise and how serious she's taking this because you said it earlier. In ther- this could have been the very last debate. I mean, it really could have been. And de- we don't know what's going to happen on the next one. We right. don't know if the president will be cleared where we are. But you said it. More people are going to watch this debate than ever before. It used to be, oh, you know, the second choice and blah, blah, blah. But now we know that it's a coveted heartbeat away from either Pence or uh, Senator Harris to be the next president. And I think you're right. I think it's going to set national ratings. You know, typically you look at 100 million. I'll bet you we'll be talking 150, 200 million people will be right. watching this. I'm writing that down. And it's from Salt Lake down. City. One hundred Salt Lake City. Yeah. From Salt uh, Lake City. That's what astounding. an honor for us. Yeah. Uh, Scott Howell, I, I have to let you go. Thank you so much for sure. sharing uh, with us, with me, the audience here, uh, your experience with the candidate. Uh, I'm sure you and I will connect uh, later this week as we look either back uh, over the performance by the candidates or look ahead to what we expect may come. Uh, but thank you, as always, for, for your insight uh, and sharing your time with us. Scott Howell, thank you. Thank you, Lee. Have a great day. You did the same. We're going to take a break here in a moment. There is, from the beginning of uh, the period of time since we knew the president had come down with COVID-19, my thought was, who's to blame? Who's to blame? If you turn to Twitter, uh, you can see uh, a lot of finger pointing uh, in the direction of the president. And I think ultimately responsibility uh, does uh, lean on the president. But there are two other teams uh, who are responsible for the president's safety, his medical team and the Secret Service. In the next segment, we're going to speak to a retired Secret Service agent about exactly how far the responsibility of the Secret Service goes to protect the president, in particular when a contagion is involved. My conversation with a former member of the Secret Service is next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.